Hello, 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 and welcome to the podcast Reality Hall with Angela Roublier, your favorite hall for reality TV. So this is a podcast where we discuss everything Bravo, all the news that happen, and sometimes we talk about celebrity news. So this week on the podcast, we're going to do some housekeeping of everything that's happening in the world of Bravo, and then I'm going to jump into the recap of Potomac, Salt Lake City, and Miami. So let's start with our housekeeping segment. So one of the things that happened concerns Rugged, Real Housewife Ultimate Girls Trip, season four. So there was a little bit of news about Brandy and Caroline Menzo leaving the filming, the filming scene of uh, Rugged season four early. At first they said it was because Brandy had thrown some appetizers at Caroline Menzo and uh, it was later debunked that it was actually because Brandy had been fired because she had made some unwanted sexual advance to Caroline. When I say that, I just mean Brandy got really drunk and she tried repeatedly to kiss Caroline Menzo and Caroline was just not having it. And so she allegedly tried to turn everyone against Brandy. She made a big scandal out of it. And finally, Brandy was removed from the filming. So my thought about that is something that we saw repeatedly, like in season two of Rugged, like when Brandy was drunk, she was like saying to Vicky that she was going to turn her gay, that she found her beautiful. She tried to kiss her and Vicky, like as the fun girl that she is, took it as a fun joke. But Caroline, this very straight, narrow Italian mafia, allegedly related woman, did not take it. And she, she, she just... You don't do that with Caroline Menzo. Like she's like so so straight. She's like almost afraid of gay people. She can't do that. I think it's terrible for Brandy. She should stop like drinking. Like she just crossed the line. It's not even funny at this point. She just gets so belligerent and so drunk and she does things that get her into the situation and it's actually terrible. But at the same time, I find it very, very funny because like this whole week on Bravo, like at least in Potomac and in Salt Lake City, it was all about like, oh my God, there is gay among us. There are gays among us. And the fact that Brandy got fired for that is actually very funny. So I think that Brandy has just scrapped all her expectation, all her hope that she would one day be back on Beverly Hills or OC because she's just become a liability for Bravo and we can't have her around. And I hope that that makes her realize that she has a problem with alcohol and she should get some help, and that she, she, she yeah, she, should, she, she just should get some help. I'm really excited to see all of that unfold on our TV, on Peacock, and like two months later on Bravo. Unfortunately, we're not going to see that for at least another year, because they still haven't heard season three of uh, Real Housewives Ultimate Girl Strip, which is something I'm actually extremely excited about, because I want to see what happened with Leah McSweeney and the rest of the women, because Leah also left the, the filming of... Uh, Rugged season three early. Oh yeah, I would like to know why she left that early. In other news, uh, we have some news. I don't know if it's gossip or not about Roni legacy. So apparently it's not going to move forward. They still haven't started filming because all of the other women had signed their contracts, but Jill Zarin wanted more money. So that's why they still haven't started filming. What I'm saying is like, we don't want to see Jill on our TV. Like, let's just scrap Jill do the cast with all the women that have already signed and bring back Ramona. That's what the people want. We don't want to see boring Jill. Like, 
Mimi Gio, we want to see Ramona as much as she's a racist, she's a crazy person. That's what I want to see on my TV because I've been rewatching season four and season five of Rooney, and like those were the best moments. I would like to see also maybe Carol Lodzowitz come back. I don't know if I say her name, but because I've been watching season four and five, and I actually did not appreciate how much of a gem was Carol when she was on. So I would like to see what she has become. And uh, yeah. Plus, uh, Luan posted a picture on an Instagram of uh, Ramona, Dorinda and her at uh, lunch or dinner, I don't know, on the gram. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's the cast that we want. Bring Ronnie Legacy. Bring Ronnie Legacy. Because no one wants to see this new Ronnie with those influencers and all that. We don't care that the show is problematic. That's what we want to see. We have to try. We have to stop trying to make our housewife PG. That's how we get boring shows. We like the problematic ones, the delusional ones, the old ones. I don't want to see younger girls on my TV. That's why we have Well Girlfriends in Paris. Real housewives should be with the old women that are delusional. So yeah, I think the public would love to see a Ronnie legacy. And if Bravo cannot give us what we want, they're going to make a lot of people upset. And the other housekeeping news that's going to bring us into the recap of Potomac is Robin saying that she knew about the other woman and that she was aware of it. So on her podcast with Giselle, Reasonably Shady, she said that she was aware of the other woman and that we should go on her Patreon, so make us pay, so that we can know more of the story. So some people paid for it. I did not. I just read what people say. She apparently said that that there were rumors about uh, another woman allegedly, but that woman was apparently friend with one of Juan's friends, like or maybe dating one of Juan's friend. I can't say his name. I kept saying Juan, 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 Juan's friend, and uh, she was basically just waiting for people to bring up the rumors so that she could address it. But my problem with that is when she, when Karen brought up the rumors, she denied knowing anything about that other woman. She played oblivious as if it was the first time that she was hearing of it. So really, that's my real problem with Robin. And I also believe, like some people pointed out on Twitter, that all the rumors about Chris and uh, Candice and Eddie Happy Eddie eating on a Muppet. <laughs> What's her name? <laughs> Deborah, the friend of... Um, of Ashley was to prevent all the rumors about Robin's coming out. Or maybe they put out this rumor so that Robin could be like, okay, I'm going to play nice and I'm going to pretend like I don't believe those rumors and go be on Candy's side. This way, when the rumors about Juan and his other woman comes out, Candice cannot tell me, oh, so see, you did the same thing to me that they are doing to you now she could be like no i was the only one on your side and i believed you in light of the revelation that they made on their podcast everyone is mad at production because production pushed those fake rumors about candice and chris all season but when it came to robin they let her slide they did not ask her the hard question they forced candice to discuss that on tv over and over again they brought deborah to film with them to bring those rumors but when it comes to the real allegation about robin and juan that have been out for maybe seasons and seasons on end like they don't push they don't question her and so people believe that the producers 
are doing that because Candice is a dark-skinned black woman and Robin, Ashley, and Giselle are light-skinned and so they're accusing the producers of being colorist. I tend to believe that because really all season they harassed us with Happy Hedy and Chris and when it comes to Robin they just let her slide so and it means that she's not going to talk about it on the reunion. So everyone was mad so what they did is that it's going to be there's going to be a one-on-one between Andy and Robin to discuss the allegation. That's not what I want. I wanted I didn't want that to be a one-on-one discussion because they're going to discuss the rumors about Chris and Candice amongst the entire group in the reunion. I want Robin to have to explain herself in front of all of her cast members and tell us why she lied. Plus, that one-on-one is going to make Robin believe that she is all that when she is not all that. She's not that interesting. We don't need a one-on-one with her. I think they're doing that like to make up for the fact that Jen is not going to... Jen Shah from Real Housewife of Salt Lake City is not going to do be doing the one-on-one with Andy. So they're giving us a one-on-one that no one wants and no one asks for with Robin. What I really want is for Robin to not be on the cast anymore. She brings nothing to the show. She pollutes us with her and Juan's relationship for seven seasons, and then she's not even filming the wedding. Like, Kenya was suspended, well, demoted to friend of when she refused to film her wedding with Mark. So why are we giving a pass to Robin? Then again, here comes the colorism accusation on Bravo, and I agree with that. I want Robin to be fired. This way, Giselle won't have a sidekick anymore. She won't have someone to side with her that much. I just want, like, yeah, Robin out. She brings nothing to the show. She's not interesting to me. That's all I have to say about it. So let's jump on to the recap of Potomac. I usually don't pay attention to the girls' tagline, but Robin tagline this season, well, not this season, but this episode, like, I was appalled by it. Her tagline this season is, when it comes to the truth, I always arrive on time. I would like to say, no, you don't. You arrive after the time. You arrive after the reunion. You decide to make the truth be known after the reunion. So you were a fucking liar, Robin. Stop it. So the first thing of this episode is Robin trying on wedding dresses for a fake-ass wedding to a man that doesn't even live with her. And that has another woman, too. Huh? Because I'm going to run with that, I think, is the truth. First of all, why are you even trying wedding dress on? You're going to get married on the beach. All you need is a white flowy dress. And like, I don't know why this scene was necessary. But she invited Ashley and Giselle to come with her, but obviously not her mom. And it's so obvious that Ashley and Giselle are coming there and they're like, why are you bringing us to that wedding shop for that to buy a new wedding dress? Because when they arrive, the first thing that they want to talk about is gossip, gossip. They don't even care that Robin is trying on dresses. They just want to talk about the gossip. So Ashley arrives and she tells Giselle about what happened at the club. She says that apparently Mia was admiring, admiring Wendy's physique and that she was into her. And that apparently Wendy was intrigued and that they left the club together. And they're like, oh my God, they left the club together. Yes, they left the club together because maybe they were drunk and they were coming back to the same hotel. So they were like, you're leaving. I'm ready to leave. Let's live together. We're in Mexico. We don't know what could happen. It could be safer. I don't see why we're trying to like look into the meaning of that. They arrived together, they left together. 
So as soon as she drops that uh, bomb onto Giselle, that gossip, Ashley doesn't give a, doesn't even wait for Robin to come out with the dresses. She's just like, okay, I have to leave. Bye-bye. And she leaves. It's so funny. The women are like so not into Robin trying wedding dress. So Robin tries on a wedding dress. And as soon as she tried three wedding dress, Giselle is like, I have some gossip to tell you. And so she tells her about the gossip that Ashley just told her and she embellishes it by telling Robin that apparently Mia and Wendy were bumping vaginas, whatever that means. And then they move on to discuss the bachelorette party. Um, she's telling her that it's going to be an upscale dinner at Mia's old strip club where they serve steak and lobster. And let me tell you in advance, if you bring me to an upscale dinner, you promise me an upscale steak dinner and the steak arrives looking like this, Ugh, I'm going to be extremely disappointed because that did not look upscale at all. The steak looked disgusting. Robin says that she doesn't want Karen to come. And I'm like, obviously. But then she says she doesn't want Wendy to come either because Wendy was chuckling when Karen told the whole table about Juan's other woman. I think that Wendy was chuckling because it was funny the way she was saying it. She was like, oh my God, my breast went all the way back to my vertebrae. Obviously, she's going to laugh it's what's funny i'm just tired of the woman like excluding wendy from filming it's childish it doesn't agree with me and the producer should not allow that to happen but then again i don't even like the producers i don't expect anything from them anymore not the truth and not like good producing anymore like ugh. I don't even expect anything from them. Plus, Robin says that she doesn't think that um, Wendy wants to be her friend, that she's not genuine in her attempt to be her friend. But I don't think that it's on Wendy's part to try to mend their friendship. Robin were videotaping like her when Mia physically assaulted her. And then she backed up Mia because we don't know why. Mia, I think that's because Mia is one of her light skin friends. And then when Mia was clearly in the wrong, she assaulted Wendy and you defended her and then you defended her again when she tried to exclude Wendy from the Miami trip and then you're doing it again I think you're the one that has to try with Wendy Wendy did nothing to you you like you called her antagonistic but I think that you're the one being antagonistic right now Robin like she's clearly clearly in the wrong so then we have a scene with Chris and Candice where they talk about the party for the release of the Deep Space Deluxe album, while she'll be debuting her song with Trina. And we learn that Trina won't be in attendance, but that's come to no surprise to us. And then she fills Chris in on what happened in Mexico. And he says like something like, oh my God, yeah, another rumor where they accuse a husband of cheating without any proof. But he said that because he hadn't known. And then this weekend, he put out some tweets about the situation with Robin, and I'm going to read them to you. So he said, so wait, there were truth that were omitted slash not filmed during our season as a cast. We choose to tell falsehood and lies about innocent people all season long, and now we are charging for the truth? What the foot? What the, what the foot? What the fuck? I'm good on this bullshit. And then he continues and said, just so we are clear, Giselle and Ashley knew about this before the season. They didn't bring it up. That's your friend. Cool. But just to lie as a distraction, 
I'm so mad at Robin, but the others are trash for that. Oh no, he corrected himself and he's like, I'm not mad at Robin. I am mad at Robin and I am mad at the others. And yes, you're right, Chris. We choose to promote lies and falsehood instead of bringing us real storyline. And then we lie on the truth. Like, come on, like, guys, this is ridiculous. Candice also put out some tricks. She just said Chile. But then after she clarified that they were not talking about the producers because people thought that they were talking about the producers and that the producers were hiding things. But they just want to say that, no, they don't think the producers helped Robin, Giselle, and Ashley to hide anything. But I do believe that they did it. And the majority of us Bravo fans believe that the producers helped them cover the truth. Then we move on to Karen and Wendy at lunch. And Karen tells Wendy that she's been sitting on the information about Juan hugging her inappropriately for three years now. And then we get a flashback of two years ago at Karen's week shift party where Robin asked Karen, are you afraid of what you might say when you drink? And Karen told her, no, I'm not. But you should be concerned about what Ron is saying when he's drunk. I actually had forgotten about that. So like, I'm kind of wanted to take in everything back I said like last week about that interaction happening being highly unlikely, you know, like um, Juan telling her that he wanted her to be the third person in the Tristan. I feel like I believe a thousand percent Karen. Like, I believe this happened. I don't know why, but why? Like, this bring like this goes back to three years ago. Like, Karen, either Karen is a good liar and she has been preparing this storyline for three years or this happened. So I'm choosing to believe the latter. And I might even believe that the other woman looks like Karen, like for real. <laughs> so then we move on to, well, no, we move on. We see like the scene with Karen and Wendy at lunch. And the Ashley calls Karen and she tells them that they are not invite- invited to Robin's bachelorette party. And uh, Wendy is surprised because she and Robin are supposed to try to move forward. And I agree with that. It's like so annoying that they try to exclude Wendy from everything. It's not even enjoyable at this point. Like the Green Eye Bandit have it all wrong. They think that we don't like Wendy, but we love an underdog and we are rooting for Wendy. And they are turning everyone, all the watchers, against them now because they are just being bullies and they're just doing everything wrong. I need Robin fired. So then we move on to a scene where Giselle is going to Mia's place and Mia and she tells Mia that she smells good and Mia is like, oh really? I feel like I smell like sushi. And she serves Giselle this disgusting looking sushi. And I would like to say, Mia, if your sushi smells like fish, you should probably not serve it. You should probably not eat it. And if your sushi looks like that, do not serve it to me. So then uh, Giselle tells Mia that Ashley told us about what happened the last night in Mexico. And then she started a rumor about Mia. Well, she just told Robin that uh, Mia and Wendy bumped her vagina. And uh, Mia looks so happy that Giselle was gossiping about her. She leaves for that. So then Mia, happy that some rumor is spread about her, tells Giselle that Apparently, Wendy showed her whole vagina, leg spread wide open to Mia in the club. And are we even believing it? And can we believe anything that comes out of Mia's mouth? 
And do we even believe that Wendy, who is a classy lady, like she keeps reminding us with her four degrees, she has a lot to lose, would she even do that? Mm, I think not. Mia says anything for attention and especially to be accepted by the other women. She thinks that her being so sexually berated will get her point. So I don't know. Like, I feel like Mia is delusional. Those women do not give a fuck about you. The only reason they are so into this storyline is because Giselle is trying to maybe start drama and be like, oh my God, maybe Wendy cheated on Heidi with Mia. She's just trying to like start another woman rumor about someone cheating on their significant other in the group again. And then Mia says that the jealous energy that she felt between her and Wendy was just sexual tension. And that um, she said that Wendy touched her vagina, but she had to stop it because G and Eddie are not aware of it. Okay, we believe you, Mia. We believe you. (laughs) No, we don't, but whatever. And now it's time for the bachelorette party. The girls are on the bus, and uh, Robin says that uh, the word on the curve is that Wendy and Mia left together and are apparently... Mia was rubbing titties and they all kissed together and they make such a big deal out of it. I'm like, this is ludicrous. Like, haven't we all kissed our friends when we drank? Haven't we all, like, showed... No, I have. I never showed my pussy to anyone, but I, I know that some girls do that. Like, just... She's your friend, so you just do it. I don't know. I, I think we're just making a mountain out of a molehill and, like... It's all going back to that, uh, yeah, they are gays among us. They have this weird fascination about gay relationship and who has relationship with women, who doesn't have relationship with women. Like the women on this cast are very, very weird when it comes to gay people, (laughs) bisexual people. I don't know. So then they arrive to the club. The club looked so lit, like damn, and Bravo filmed everything. They filmed a lot without having to like blur anything. It's like the perfect club to have a bachelorette party. And I would love to go to that strip club. It looked lit. So Cherries asked Ashley about what's going on with Michael. And Ashley tells her that she and Michael have been trying to create a nice environment for the kid so they have been very nice to each other and what does that mean is that that mean that you guys are back fucking why Ashley I need to know like if that man has like a big dick and you cannot stop fucking him or maybe he actually has a lot of money so she's trying to appease him so that she can get more money but she already signed the prenup, so it doesn't make sense because like, there's no reason for such a beautiful woman like Ashley to continue to go back again and again to gloom like that. Like After all the embarrassment and disrespect, there is no goddamn reason to keep fucking that man. Like Candice says it best. Like If it were her, she would have been divorced a really long time ago and she would have taken that check. And f- yeah. So Ashley tells the woman that she's not dating because Michael told her that he is not and she felt guilty and stopped. But uh, Candice tells her that uh, Chris was at a restaurant. No, that Michael was at Chris's restaurant with a bitch and the girl was not cute. I mean, are we surprised that the girl was not cute? Like, Michael looked out when he bagged Ashley. Like, clearly he looked out. 
And Ashley pretends that she's hurt and she's like, oh my God, you should just tell me the truth. Okay, Ashley, you're never going to divorce that man. I don't know why that storyline, I don't know why she's trying to make us believe that she's going to divorce him. Is it because she's tired of being linked to Michael? What is it? I don't know. I have the same opinion that I had last week on that. Fake divorce. They still haven't divorced. She has a prenup. She should get the money and go. So then the food arrive and the lobster look delish. But again, that steak looked overcooked and like the gravy that was on it. And like there was rice, like pilaf rice. I don't know. Uh, it, it did not look like a upscale dinner. But the girls devoured the food because obviously they were really drunk because um, <laughs> we had been serving them shots, like a lot of shots in the the. the in the bus so they seem to enjoy the food and it's all that matter so then people ask uh, Sherry's how she feels about Karen and she's like oh I don't think about Karen I don't care about Karen Karen but let me tell you everything I know about Karen so yeah we believe that you don't think about Karen at all so Cherry says that she has been protecting Karen for years and the last time she was at a club she was with Karen and Karen disappeared and that when Karen is drunk, she will fuck whatever. In Potomac, apparently she's known for the girl that just get drunk, fucked up, and that she will suck any dick that will come her way. That's her reputation. She continues on to say that Karen got fucked by a worker in the club's bathroom. And at first I was like, I don't believe it. But the more I think about it, I actually believe it. But... Does that make me stand Karen more? I think it does. Like, girl, get it. Like, she's like, I'm dating this old man, Ray. And I'm going to get fucked by a cute worker in the toilet <laughs> of a club. I stand Karen. That does not make me hate her more. Cherise, that just make us love Karen more. And um, Giselle said that they all know about that, but they were protecting Karen for years. Uh, I just don't believe that they were protecting Karen. I believe that Karen got fucked by a worker in the bathroom, but at the same time, I don't know if I believe it. Because if they had that ammunition against Karen, wouldn't they, wouldn't they have used it like a long time ago? Like those women don't hold up information like for years. I don't know what to believe. Honestly, like I feel like Anything that comes out of their mouth is not believable, especially after the Chris situation, the Robin and Giselle podcast situation. I don't know if we can believe anything that they say, but I will say that if they had this information, they would have dropped it a long time ago. They would not have protected Karen like that. They keep on saying that they have fact and proof and that uh, Robin says that she heard that from Cherise. Giselle heard it too. They all heard it. And then they go back to the subject of blue eyes. And they say that Ray knew, well, Ray knows about blue eyes. And uh, I'm like, yeah, it's not, I believe that Karen is having an affair with blue eyes or that she has eye candy because she keeps telling us that she has eye candy. And Ray too told us that she's allowed to have eye candy. They have an agreement. Ray is 76, Karen is 59, is like, I'll let you do whatever you want as long as you keep it on the low and I know about it. So yeah, very confused. Did Karen fuck some worker in the bathroom or not? 
Is she cheating on Ray? Or is it an agreement that they have? I don't know. What I know is that I can't believe anything that the woman says. Robin is a liar. Giselle is a liar. Ashley is a liar. They all lie and they all protect themselves. And I would need for the producers to do their job and to ask the real question. Overall, I'm really disappointed with Robin and that's it for this episode of Potomac. Okay, so let's move on to the season three reunion part two of The Real Housewife of Salt Lake City. And all I can say about that reunion, I'll recap it, but I'll say about that reunion. It was very boring and uh, ever, really, I can tell you, I see your true colors shining through and that's why I don't love you anymore <laughs> like really she she just showed how much of a fake person she is and yeah she's just fake and now we can see how truly fake she is so we start back on where we left that they were bumping vaginas with um well not bumping vaginas that's a potomac term that they were scissor sister with jen and Eva has a really weird reaction she's like oh should i add that to my record now no just laugh it off. Don't make such a big deal of it. Plus, it's true. You and Jen were very, very friendly in San Diego. You were giving me girl gone white, girls gone white vibe. Like you were rubbing, rubbing each other's TT. You were stra- straddling each other. Just make a joke out of it. Don't be like, oh my God, do I have to add that to my resume again? That I'm gay, I'm gay. Ugh, ever. Like, be the good time girl that you're supposed to be. So then we move on to Whitney's healing journey and she says that she didn't expect the cast members and the audience to question her about it. And uh, Andy asks Heather if she feels like she was able to support Whitney in a way that would put them in a better place. And Heather says that no, because every time they would discuss about the childhood abuse, it would be on camera. But then Whitney points out that Heather lashed out at her and called her healing journey childish and accused her of making the trip about herself so that why would she call her to discuss anything after she had just yelled at her and like kind of abused her again and her ever apologized like in the most fakest way she tells Whitney that she did not realize that they were talking about childhood abuse but they just showed us a clip where Ever was saying that the first night was talking about Whitney's childhood abuse and that she had made the trip about that. So Ever, just take accountability. Like, you're just being a liar now. She just believed that the Bravo audience is not going to turn her back on her, but she's wrong. We're not that loyal. We can hate you one season and praise you the next and vice versa. And Heather, right now, you are on our shit list. You are a liar a liar 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 so i'm very glad that whitney does not accept her apology because she sees through her she just sees through her and then whitney is like you just hold me to a complete different standard than jen like jen could do no wrong in your eyes and ever says yeah she holds jen's to a lower standard so jen can basically do anything to her and the others and she'll always go back to jen but like she holds Whitney to a much higher standard, so she has to do better. Does that make sense to you? Like your cousin, someone 
Will you tell everything? Will you hang out with all the time? Someone that has never said anything bad about you or made you feel like you couldn't trust her is less forgivable than an habitual liar and someone that spends her time putting you down? Like you choose to forgive Jen over and over, but Whitney makes one mistake. She calls you a liar, okay, but she makes one mistake and you treat her like that and you cut her out of your life. Like this logic does not work for me. Like... I don't know. And then Handy asked her if, uh, ask Whitney if she thinks that uh, her being friend with Lisa had anything to do with the way Heather treated her. And yes, it has everything to do with it. After Heather is called out on her choices of who she is more loyal to, she deflects by promoting her brook. Because, well, yeah, that's what she's doing. She's promoting her brook. She says that she was vulnerable this season because. She herself has suffered childhood trauma and that scream, go buy my book. And so <laughs> obviously Andy asks her what she's most nervous about, about the book. And she says that she's in litigation with the church and she's afraid that if they sue her, her family and friends are going to have about reaction when they're going to read the book because she talks about the unspoken. Again, she yells, go buy my book. And then she cries during all that. Like, I don't understand. Like, why would the church sue her? Isn't that like freedom of speech? And ever came into the real housewife being a good time girl. She has one night stand. She gets extremely drunk. And all of a sudden she has moment guilt and shame. Like what happened that we didn't see? Like what's going on in her life? I, I don't know. I guess I'll have to read a book and yeah subscribe to my channel if you want to know what that book is about it comes out in three days i'll read it i already pre-ordered it so then we moved on to the gen subject um and he asked meredith if she is afraid because jen has something on her because like jen was meredith was gloating in the bathtub bathtub about her Jen's being arrested and she was 100% certain that Jen was guilty and she was not surprised but then she turns back next season and she's in New York to support Jen like what happened like last year Meredith hated Jen she hired a, a a private detective but now she's like bestie with Jen all of a sudden I don't know I think Meredith is just supporting Jen Either because Jen hates Lisa and Meredith is mad, mad about the hot mic moment, or maybe Jen really has something on her because it doesn't make sense. And uh, she says that she knew that Jen tried to take her life and that she always root for the underdog, and that's why she's supporting Jen. I don't know. I, um, I don't trust it. I don't believe it. Andy asks her a lot of questions about it. But she just deflects and, you know, she does her bopping head. Like, I just support the underdog. Like, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. She, she, she's just annoying. And then Andy brings up the rumor that Jen pled guilty to keep Coach Shah from being implicated. And I thought about it too. At first, I did not believe it. Because, like, Sherry's name is never mentioned in any of the transcripts transcript and nothing. 
but then um Whitney said something very true like sheriff is always playing nice and it's like too good to be true like he's such a good churchman and he's so forgiving but if i think about it they live in a muslim household and in a muslim household i guess that's my assumption the man is in charge so i assume that he was in charge of the finances they file taxes together how did she explain a job to him like he looks like a smart man he was a lawyer but he went to law school so how did he not realize that it was not making sense. So I actually do believe that Coach was implicated and that Jen just pled guilty because she was like, okay, I'm the most prominent person on this case. There, I still haven't mentioned your name, so I'm going to take a plea, go to jail. This way you can stay with our kids. And like, I thought that Coach, if he were not involved, would have divorced Jen, but no, he's now looking for jobs in Texas. So we assume that Jen is going to to go to jail in Texas. So like he's moving to a job in Texas so that he can be closer to her. So did she plead guilty to keep him from being implicated? Yes, I think so too. And then Heather <laughs> tells us that people on this cast gave money to Jen so that she could pay for her lawyers. And all the girls were like, uh, I did not give money to Jen for anything. And she tells us that NGH gave money to Jen. And uh, that she gave money to Jen to pay for her lawyer because she felt guilty about the Shah exposed account. Like, I really need to know more about this. Can you believe it? So yeah, that was all for the season three of uh, Real Housewife of Salt Lake City. Um, what I take out of this season is that Heather is really not the person that she thinks she's. Oh, I forgot to bring up like apparently someone like um, Heather's sister wrote something under the Whitney's um, post. I'm not sure that she's really Angie's uh, Heather's sister, but um, that's what people on the internet believe. So that's what I believe. And uh, she told, she wrote to Heather, she said, she wrote to Whitney, not to Heather. She said, Whitney Wild Rose, stop waiting for Heather. Until she has a use for you, she has no use for you. Believe me, I know. I waited 20 plus years for her, only to be used for a storyline in Vail. She hasn't spoke to me since the day we filmed, and I consider it to be the last conversation we will ever have. We will ever have. It was nice to meet you in Vail. Sorry that you finally saw the real Heather. And I will believe that this is her sister. And I 100% think that Whitney should stop trying to reconciliate her relationship with Heather. Because, yeah, they, they she, Heather is showing her true colors. She's not a true friend. She uses people because they have an advantage for her. And as soon as she's finished with you, she throws you under the bus. So my... Final thought on this season is that ever you fucked up, you're going to go in that season four and people are not going to like you. You better change the way you are and like start be tr to be truthful about your true intentions because, yeah, that's it. Also, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is going to start filming like in 10 days. And... They really need to give the woman a break because just like the reason this season was so 
boring kind of is because they didn't get a break in between filming. They filmed the reunion and maybe a month later or two weeks later, they started filming again. And I know why they want to film, start filming in 10 days. They want to start filming in 10 days because Jen is going to prison on the 17th and they want the woman's reaction to that. But I think we need to give them time to get over what happened this season. This way we don't rehash the same storyline and we give time for Meredith and Lisa to maybe make up for the other women that are going to be on the cast to get accustomed to the women that are already on the cast for maybe other beef to happen because filming back to back to back to back to back is not working at all. So maybe start filming on the 14th to get the women's reaction and then give them a little break so that we can have something new. So yeah, let's move on to Real Housewife of Miami. So this was season 5, episode 12, and the episode title was Apology Not Accepted. So the episode starts with Alexia, Nicole, Gergi, and Marisol and their husband at a Cuban restaurant. They cheer for to their gringos. There's good music. There's a good vibe. And uh, Nicole's like, oh my God, I love those chicharrones. And then all of a sudden, that's what it looks like, Alexia screams, let me address what I have a problem with, okay? You disrespected my house. You disrespected my friend. <laughs> and the music is now so dramatic. Nicole tells us that she wasn't aware that Alexia uh, was mad at her because they hugged after the party and uh, Alexia tells Nicole they're not friends anymore you lost perdite I'm sorry all that happened in the first 55 seconds of the show like drama right off the bat Miyama is the best franchise Miyama Miami is the best franchise for the drama that's for sure the ladies know what we want and they always deliver especially alexia like she knows what she's doing i really have a love-hate relationship with alexia like i mean i love her she's entertaining she's been through a lot she's a strong woman she's a very very strong woman but at the same time the way she and the way she handles situation and the size of people that she she's always on the wrong size side always annoys me but i love her i used to think that potomac was the best franchise but no ever since they brought back miami it hasn't disappointed one bit so now it's one day earlier marisol and alexia are at the fat doctor and uh, they bring up nicole throwing the credit card on the attorney's lap they say that it was really disrespectful and that's only something you do at strip club I agree. Like, who does that? Marisol <laughs> is not the only one using props anymore. Like, Nicole is using props anymore, and her props are credit cards. Anyway, like, if a friend of mine did that, if she thrown her credit card on the lap of someone, like, let's say I'm bringing an institution, and she's like, can you do that for me? And I'm like, no, that's not what she's there for. And she just throws a credit card on her lap, I would feel so disrespected. Like, I said I was paying. Like, that person is in my house. So, yes, it's my house, my rules. Don't try to outdo me with some money. Like, 
He was very disrespectful to the lawyer and to Alexia. So then we have a scene with Nicole that she's calling uh, Julia and she says that she wants to do a redo trip because the kiss trip was kind of ruined by Lisa's announcement and she feels like they need a new trip. So she wants to go to the Bahamas and uh, she wants this to be a bounding trip with good energy and where they could reconnect, reconnect. Well, I don't think a trip without drama and with good energy on Miami is will ever be possible. But anyway, it's good to dream. And then we go to that uh, wacky shot of uh, Marisol giving Alexia a fat-burning shot in the butt. And I'm like, Alexia, you don't need no fat-burning anything. Marisol, you don't need it either. Like, they are both so skinny. Like, <laughs> why do you need that? They, Marisol should have brought Larsa to the fat doctor, not Alexia. Anyway, then we have a Julia and Adriana scene. They go to lunch or brunch. I'm not sure. And uh, Adriana tells uh, Julia that she is really upset with Alexia and Marisol, especially because they have such a long history. She doesn't know why Alexia would go so hard on her. Like after all they've been part of, after all they've lived through, like Alexia and Marisol were at a, were at a wedding. Adriana was there when Marisol's mom died. Adriana was there when Alexia's mom died. They've been part of the original cast. They've been they've known each other for a part of 10 to 15 years. And so she is not really sure that she wants to go on a trip because she doesn't trust them anymore. Then Julia tells her that uh, the adoption process is long and that there is an age requirement to adopt. And she, she says that you have to be under 50 to adopt a kid. And Adriana thinks it's ageist. I personally don't think it's ageist at all. I don't see why you would give an infant to someone over 50. Like, you're not going to be able to play in the yard with that kid. You're not going to be able to play football, to to keep up with that kid. So, yeah. Like, caring for a baby is hard on young parents. So, imagine all the ones. Like, when that kid will be 18, you'll be close to 70. Like, it's crazy. And yes, it's a long process. They have to vet you and make sure you are ready to care for that children, for that child. Make sure that you're getting a kid, you're adopting a kid for the good reason. Like, we're not going to take a child out of a bad situation in an orphanage and put it in another bad situation. Like, Julia is very delusional. Then she tells us that her daughter are not supportive of her, of her decision. And it's totally understandable. Like, why do you need another kid so bad? Like, it's time for you to enjoy your life, girl. You're 49. Mar Martina is 15 years older than her. So Martina is like, uh, 60? <laughs> not 60, 64. It's not the time for you to tie yourself up again. Martina wants to go to Aspen and ski. Martina wants to enjoy life. And you should want that too, Julia. Why do you want a kid so bad? Like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. Then we move on to a scene with Larsa and Lisa. So Larsa is at Lisa's house. And um, Lenny told Lisa that he's trying to get a court order to get her out of the house with the kids and into a rental so that they can start looking for another house. It's only been one month, she tells us. And she doesn't think that he'll get any judge to sign on that. And yeah, he hasn't found any judge to sign on that because month after filming she's still in the house anyway 
but she did sign a prenup that stipulated that she had to leave the house in 10 days if they ever get a divorce. So I don't think that Lini is as delusional as Lisa wants us to believe. I just think he's a cold-hearted piece of shit. So now it's time for the gringo's dinner. Alexia tells us that she's still upset with Nicole because she still hasn't called her to apologize after one week. It's been one week and she just shows up to the dinner as if nothing happened. They order a bunch of food and it looked amazing. Like I love Cuban food. It's so good. Just like Gertie said, it's island food and I am an island girl. So what's not to like about it? Obviously, Marisol complained that it's just fattening food. And girl, you are scary skinny. Just enjoy life and enjoy the food. Like with all the alcohol that you drink, you need to eat. You need something in your stomach to absorb all that alcohol. Hmm. Anyway, they just get into fighting. Alexia tells Nicole that she's not upset that she asked the question. She's upset about the American Express. She didn't think that it was professional and she should know that because she is a professional. Um, I think that Alexia is reaching a little bit with the professional argument. She should just say that it was disrespectful. You don't need to know to be a professional to have manners. Nicole doesn't understand what what Alexia's problem is. And Anthony, her husband, interrupts the woman and makes a condescending comment that he will send chocolates and a car to apologize to the lawyer. I really hate Nicole's husband. He's so condescending. He's acting as if he's above all that drama and he's refusing to recognize that his wife is just wrong. She's just wrong in that situation. Like, how would he feel if someone threw money at him? Like, just apologize for throwing the American Express. Like, it's not that hard. So then Todd gets mad at and tells him that the other attorney, contrary to him, is a real attorney and he doesn't flash the billboard and fix the leaky pipe. I died at this moment. Todd is so real for that. And Tony's ego is so big and he acts like he's a big shot lawyer when the guy is just a scam insurance lawyer. Allegedly, it's my opinion, don't come for me. Because I don't want to be sued. I don't want to be sued. And I just love that Todd just went for Anthony's juggler. I'm here for me for it. Like I'm so here for it. Like Anthony needs to be put in his place. You just think that because he makes a lot of money, he's above everyone. And then um Todd continues to tell him that he doesn't work in a in a real law firm, he just works in an office with three people. And Anthony could not even defend himself. Like, he's such a joke. And I find it very funny that he was very subdued when he was talking to Todd. Like, it's all big and bad when he's talking to the woman, but when he turns, but it, then he turns into a puppy when a man talks to him. Like, he's such a coward. And then obviously, Gertie is all up in Nicole's ass saying that she already said sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, Gertie, she did not say sorry. She said sorry, but. So, like, just stay out of it. And obviously, then Nicole hides behind the intention thing. She's like, yeah, maybe I did that, but my intention were not to be disrespectful. And I would like to tell you, Nicole, we don't care what your intention were. 
You were rude. Your actions were disrespectful. Apologize. Don't do the all. Don't do like, I'm sorry if I offended you. Don't if your apology. Like, I already told you. I was offended. Just say, I'm sorry I offended you and I won't do it again. Stop with the fake housewife apology. And now she's playing the victim like, oh my God, I can't do nothing right. You're always not on myself. Like, Nicole, F out of here. Like, I'm just tired. Like, she can't take accountability for anything that she's doing. Then we move on to a scene with Lisa, Larsa, and Kiki at the club. And uh, Kiki tells us that they're looking for some dick for Lisa because she is so horny. And then Larsa asks her if uh, Lenny asked her to hook her up right to hook up with her right now, would she say yes? And yeah, <laughs> she would say yes because mama has need. It's kind of like the same storyline as Ashley in Potomac. But who can blame them? Not me, that's for sure. Like, yeah, I, I understand that a woman has needs. And Lisa is still in love with Lenny, so obviously she would still have sex with him after everything that happened. Then she says that uh, people thought that her and Lenny were swingers, but they're not swingers. And it was just them in the relationship. Well, I'm sorry to let you know, Lisa. I'm pretty sure he's been cheating on you for a long time with all the hoes at this party at your house. You might have not wanted to swing with those girls, but Lenny definitely cheated on you with those girls. Then she tells the girl that, uh, oh my God, yeah, that her trainer dropped her. Because Lenny has him training the mistress. That is so fucking disrespectful. Like, divorce me. Cheat on me. But don't steal my trainer. Out of all the trainers in Miami, did you have to take my trainer? Did you have to take Lisa's trainer? Lenny, I feel like he's just really looking for a younger, hotter Lisa. It's disgusting. He's buying her the same watch as he bought Lisa. Now, he wants his mistress to move into Lisa's house Soon, he'll want his kids to call his mistress, Mom? What? And now he's stealing her trainer. I feel like he's doing all that because Lenny is getting hold. He's getting real hold. And it feels like if he's starting over with a younger version of Lisa, maybe it will, like, push back the time when he's really old. But, uh, yeah, I hate this man. And then we have a funny montage montage of uh, Lisa in the, clo- in the club. She's supposed to have fun, but she's talking in a monologue about Lenny and her situation for like 30 minutes. She's rumbling. She's rumbling again and again. And my life this and my life that. And can you believe he did that to me? I wouldn't want to be Larsa and Kiki right now. Like Lisa is rumbling while they are drunk in a club and there's no one in the club. They're at 11, but it's empty that would send me over the over the age and then kiki is like oh my god we're in the club we're supposed to have fun and then she jumps on the pool and they're hyping her up and lisa keeps screaming i need money i need money well girl go in your purse and get some money do you think that strangers in the club are gonna give you cash to throw at kiki uh-uh. we see you with the burking we ain't giving you no cash anyway um then we have a scene with uh, Nicole and Alexia going to lunch to hash out their differences. And uh, Nicole tells us in her confessional that it's not her intention to be an asshole. And I was like, oh my God, here we go again with the whole intention thing. 
she needs to stop with that. Like, it might not be her intention to be an asshole, but she is an asshole. Her actions make her an asshole. She just doesn't realize that she's an asshole. It's like if a murderer is telling you, I'm not a murderer. And you're like, well, sorry to let you know, sir, but you killed your wife. So that makes you a murderer, no matter what you say. So yes, Nicole, you might not think that you are an asshole, but your action makes you an asshole. So that's it. And then Alexia tells her that she didn't expect her to apologize and then as a but. She doesn't want to accept an apology with condition. And guess what? Nicole does it again. She apologized. And then she said, but I didn't see it in that way. She said, sorry, but I didn't see it in that way. Stop with the but. Stop with explaining yourself. Like, that woman is so oblivious to her behavior. She's such an asshole. She's like, like, I feel like she's like her husband. Like, she thinks that she's better than the other woman because she's a surgeon. And then she goes into explaining why she acted like that. And, um... I don't know, I'm not gonna, even going to give the, 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 the explanation, but because that's not the issue at hand. You are disrespectful to someone who has done nothing to you. Just say sorry. All of your reasons are valid, but all we ask you to do is say sorry that you throw your credit card at the attorney when it did nothing to you. Alexia calls her a narcissist. Nicole, in her confessional, calls Alexia a narcissist. but. In the end, they wave the white flag and Nicole tells her, I'm sorry, I'm truly sorry, I'm a Virgo, I'm stubborn. Alexia is a Taurus, she's stubborn, blah, 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 blah. Then we get a preview of what's going to happen in the Bahamas, in the reconnecting tree. <laughs> Alexia tells us that uh, Marisol didn't go because she thinks someone is doing witchcraft on her and uh, we see Adriana throwing a drink at Larsa, and then Adriana is in a wheelchair. It's going to be so much drama. I'm so excited for next week. I am happy that Alexia and Nicole, like, solved their problem because I could not go another episode with the, my intention were, yeah, but you were rude. My intention were, yeah, but you were rude. I'm really glad that they put that behind them and they decided to move on. And I'm really excited to see Adriana throwing a drink at Larsa. Because I don't really necessarily like Adriana. And I like Larsa sometimes. But in the Adriana versus Larsa, I'm on Adriana's side every time. Okay, so that was it for this week's recap, this week's episode. And then next week, I think I'm going to do a separate episode for the Vanderpump Pro premiere and the Real Housewife of New Jersey's premiere. So if you want to see that, subscribe to my podcast. And then I'll do my usual recap of uh, Potomac and uh, Miami. So yeah, guys, thank you for being with me for that recap. And I hope to see you next week. Bye.